and welcome to the Recruitment Marketing Podcast. My name is Victoria Rush. Here, I'll be talking to marketing leaders in the recruitment industry, discussing their careers in recruitment, passions for marketing, and the challenges and successes they have faced along the way. My aim for this podcast is to share the opinions and insights of a variety of experts from across the recruitment marketing landscape. I'll be discussing their experiences and learns while building recruitment brands around the world. Hi everyone and welcome back to the Recruitment Marketing Podcast. This week I'm joined by Gareth Saunders, Head of Customer Marketing at the ADECO Group, the UK and Ireland. And he is also my old boss, so this could be a very interesting (laughs) conversation. Thanks for joining us. No problem. Please could you start by telling everyone about yourself, who you are, what you do? Yeah, so I started my career working agency side for a marketing agency that focused on the retail sector. After about a year there, I joined FMCG World and spent just over three years there before moving on to the electronics industry and then finally arriving in the recruitment industry about three years ago four years ago so it's a very different world that you've turned up into when you joined us well not just fading but salt before that as well yeah and i think the thing is is when you leave product marketing and come into what is more service and b2b marketing it's just a very different dynamic and it's just something that you have to take a little bit of time to get used to just purely because from a cultural perspective it's it's very different i think we always look at it and you kind of go okay more people let's get more bodies in but I also really truly believe in the fact of actually small groups of individuals that all have a specialism or a skill set is actually easier to remain focused and to keep things simple once you get more and more and the teams get bigger and bigger and bigger what can actually happen is opinions get diluted instead of keeping core elements to core projects I'm not a great fan of whenever we run any projects of having 50 people in a room I prefer to have three or four people that really understand what we're trying to achieve and that is how you just remain that keep that constant focus because as soon as focus goes on any project you're working on that is when all the problems come in yeah I think what I was trying to iterate there is the fact it doesn't matter how big you get you're never going to have the perfect number of people especially not in this industry FMCG product marketing maybe you've got hundreds of marketers but realistically Mm. for people who listen who are in small companies medium-sized companies they have one to ten at the most at the end of the day you guys don't have realistically that many more in comparison to size so it is making the best of what you've got I think as well is if you just take the UK we were only talking about the UK but if you take for example somewhere like France 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 has got 70 marketeers. And then if you look at America and stuff like that, it's not from a group perspective of having, you know, small numbers of marketeers. It's actually about just from a country perspective, as it stands at the moment, that is the number for which we work with. Obviously, from our market perspective, the UK is smaller than France. And so the number is relevant to the market for which we work in. So when you came into recruitment many, many years ago now, you've aged a bit. Thanks. (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) What did you find personally was the biggest hurdle between FMCG and product marketing to moving into this industry? I've always looked at it marketing is marketing whether you're marketing a product or whether marketing a service if you keep that core value of marketing is marketing and understanding your target audience and what message you want to get across to them there shouldn't really be that much difference I think the difference comes in the fact of with product marketing the product is created and then it has to be shifted and marketing is part of that process of whenever you decide to create a new product whereas in with recruitment the sale is seen as first and the marketing is seen as second whereas 
product marketing, you have to market a product first to sell it. So I think that's where the biggest difference actually comes in is that you are working in a slightly different dynamic. So where do you start? When you moved into Salt, when you moved into Faden, when you moved into Adeco, mm. how do you begin journey inside a business? I think to start with, you've got to look at everything that's gone before you. You need to look at all of your previous marketing. You have to look at the team and where the where you've got strengths and where you may have slight weaknesses. And then you, for me, it was all about actually sitting down with each of the brand leaders and directors and understanding what they wanted, but also understanding what pain problems they had as well. Because I think sometimes what happens is that when you've been in a company for 10, 15, 20 years potentially, is that you can actually get caught up in your own noise. But actually when you come in fresh-eyed, it's a really great opportunity for you to then actually go, okay, what do I see as the strategy moving forward for the next 12 to 18 months to two years to three years? Because it's at that point that you really can get a good understanding. Because ultimately, like anyone, the longer I would be here, I would end up the same. So that's a real crucial point for me when I come in, is actually understanding what, what happened before, understanding what went well, what went wrong, and then looking at the team and saying, okay, how do we build a team or how do we get a team upskilled into a position for what is our ultimate goal in two to three years time yeah understanding that skills gap i think a lot of people run in what do i do what's the best thing to make a really big splash but actually what's important to the business leaders buy-in is still the Mm. key thing in recruitment marketers don't make the decisions yeah they have to follow the lead of salespeople. Whether we believe they know what they're talking mm. about or not is irrelevant. Mm. At the end of the day, it's their business, it's their decision. It's up to us to give them what they need to ultimately affect the business until a time when more marketers are seen as decision makers, as part of that engine room. But right now, as we all know, we're not yet. And that will change. That that shift is coming in the market. You can see marketers leaving companies who aren't willing to upskill them, who aren't willing to hear them, mm. um, and who aren't willing to invest in technologies. I've been really lucky here as the fact that the brand leaders that I've worked with and the country heads and you know the board have all really given us that freedom and trust as well and that was very strange to me because normally trust is something you have to earn whereas you know we've been I was really fortunate with who we've been working with and for them to go you know what we trust you and you're here to do a job and you're here to advise us and I think that's been really really refreshing and a, a, a huge difference probably from when I first came into the recruitment industry to where I'm now and it enables you once you're given that okay you know what you go off and you do it and uh, let us know how you get on it enables you to do some just incredible things because once you are suffocated by not having the freedom to market how you see fit from an expert's perspective as it would be that is when it all goes wrong because you are then changing what your direction would be you're changing what your focus would be and ultimately you're going against probably what you know is is right and wrong just to appease people but I've been really lucky here in the sense that we were especially with the campaign we just launched we're given complete and utter freedom complete and utter trust by the head of the brand the kind of like second in command of the brand and all the way up to our country head who literally just said let's do this it's let's go for it and really left us to it which was just yeah brilliant for us brilliant how do you tackle that noise? You do get a lot. There's a lot of consultants here and who to listen to, who you can help and who you can't help to start with anyway. Mm. So you do get a lot of, we're still seen as, can you make it look pretty? Mm. Can you fix it? This is a conversation I have with almost everybody. How do you know and how do you put to bed some of the smaller things that you don't necessarily have either time for or you shouldn't really be doing? 
it's a real juggling act and I think we have to take it on a case-by-case basis but also as well is, is I'm a great believer if you've got a strategy in place it's kind of an offensive defensive thing if you don't present people with a strategy moving forward they're going to continually ask for you to do stuff whereas if you commit to a strategy moving forward therefore the noise actually dilutes quite dramatically so we have to work on that but again I've only been in the business now for eight months and the team is relatively new as well and so therefore you know we we will still continue with that having that request over the next you know three to four months because we haven't had the ability to sit down and get at the time and go this is a strategy for this year this is where we want to go for xyz so i think it's just all about making sure that you have got the strategy in place and and showing the results because otherwise you can just end up constantly getting requests for the most weird and wonderful things but that's happened both in FMCG and recruitment so it's it's kind of a bit of a everyone thinks that they know marketing because they have a Facebook account I think that's the that's the thing and it doesn't matter what industry you work in that will always be the case that everyone thinks they can do marketing so or believes that what they want to do is the best approach from a marketing perspective when should just really ask why are you doing this why do you need this? What is the benefit to you? What is the benefit to the brand? What is the benefit ultimately to the organisation? And I think once you start with that, and if people can't answer that, that's actually when you start to say, okay, you, you actually start to discover what they really want. Because what they ask for is not normally what they actually need. And so it's about being a bit more consultative, really. And that actually moves me nicely on to, we have purposely done this episode this week because mm. the latest campaign for a deco, right talent, right place, yeah. which launched last Monday. So you're just over a week into it now. Tell us, where did it come from? Why did you lead with this? And what was the purpose for you sure. guys internally? We started the conversation actually in May. So not very long ago, actually. And one of the things for us is, is that we were like, okay, we really want to start getting the Deco name back out there. And the first thing that we had to sit down and actually look at is okay, so what mediums are we going to use? What do we want to use? Is it going to be static? Is it going to be video, etc.? And we all kind of sat there as a team and as a department and said, okay, you know what, we want to do a video. And then the crucial point of that is why will anyone watch it? And if you don't ask yourself that, then you're going to fail because you have to take yourself out of your own comfort zone and think, okay, would I even watch it? Most videos that we see online are either uh, informative, cool, funny, or sad. And it's what you see on your day-to-day life when you're scrolling through. And we looked at, okay, we could be informative and we could say what a deco does, but everyone does that. And because of the amount of noise in social media and marketing now, you, you don't get much of a chance for people to really to remember much about you so we thought okay you know what we'll try something a bit fun because for us as well as we sat there and we said hey you know what if somebody sees it and they find it funny then hey you know what that's that's a good thing for people to see on a day and uh, instead of what you'd expect from a recruitment agency so yeah we went down the fun route and we we went out and got a really great agency to partner with us on it and uh, yeah what came back at the end was really great better than what I thought it was going to be and we just put it out there and saw what happened but that's the great thing about marketing is the fact that it's not up to me it's not up to the business it's not up to anyone to decide whether or not a marketing campaign is a success it's, it's to do with the the UK public and that's that's why I got into marketing was because I like the idea of you put something out there and other people decide whether or not it's a, a success or a failure and that's what makes it so great.
And it's been fantastic so far, right? You've had some good couple of negative, but you know, I always say if you don't have people trolling you or coming at you negatively or when you've done something, you've not made it. If I was going to go for a split, I'd say 95% positive, 5% negative, which is huge. It's a huge success really for us as it stands at the moment. We went into it knowing people wouldn't like it, but that's part of life because people like different things. And it's why some people wear Nike trainers and some people wear Adidas because people are entitled to their opinion. And I think that's what that's what, that's what makes life great really when you think about it because if everyone liked everything you did we'd all be dressed the same and we'd all be talking the same and we'd all be acting the same and so we were never going into it thinking oh you know people are gonna like it or not like it etc and I think as well is is that one of the big things for us was at the start of it all was for the team making it really clear that don't be scared of failure because I think if people were scared of failing all the time we probably wouldn't be able to get on a plane car wouldn't exist nothing would exist because unless people that innovate and change the world hadn't risked everything and failed multiple times. I think I read somewhere that I think Thomas Edison failed about 2,000 times before he actually ended up with electricity. I was literally about to say that. <laughs> and that's the key thing to me is, is that that is what you have to go into with marketing is, is the fact that if you're scared of failing, you're never going to create great marketing. Now, ultimately, sometimes you do something and it goes terribly wrong. But, you know, you kind of have to go, as long as you're kind of learning from that failure and you go, okay, you know what, this is why it went wrong, this is what happened, and, you know, next time we're not going to do it. But we're really lucky in the sense that I think hopefully and from what we can see so far that it's kind of hit a really good point with the general public and that's the most important thing to us is just that people see it and, and they like it they remember our brand you learn faster from failure absolutely it's in business and marketing and everything the more you fail the yeah. faster you learn as long as you understand what went wrong and try not to do it again yeah um, you have to fail to be better if you get it right you're never going to really realize what doesn't doesn't work no it's that classic first album thing the first album when you you know not that I'm a musician but you look at all first albums and then it's the second albums actually just as important as the first because the second albums normally go wrong when you don't know what made the first one great and I think it's about actually analyzing your failures and also the successes to a point where you actually start to understand okay I know what I need to do next time it's if you just decide oh well that was a success we're gonna do something very similar again you probably will run into a lot of problems because actually you missed what actually made what you did great and you missed where the failures were in that first part because all marketing campaigns have a failure in them. All of them do. It's impossible to get something 100% right. But I think as long as you understand that that you see that 2% of the failure and then you move that failure into a positive into the next campaign, you'll then fail again, 2%, 3%, and then you take it. And it's, it's just a journey of, of understanding, but hopefully the positive message of the campaign outweighs all the failures anyway. When you give a campaign like Right Talent, Right Place to a brand, what do you do when everybody else challenges you that you're not giving them an equal share or you've given one brand something incredible that's obviously going incredibly well and two maybe other brands all they feel is silence or they've been overshadowed yeah I think it's not so much about being overshadowed I think it's more about the fact that each brand has sort of its own strategy now what we've done with the deco is not going to be relevant for Bagnock and Clark for example so I don't think people feel that it would be overshadowed I think as long as each brand's got its own strategy and each brand is running its own strategy then it shouldn't be an issue but you know ultimately it takes months to run something like the right talent right place and I think as well is is that the video is only the or the advert if you want to call it is only the piece that the wider consumer will see but there's about multiple multiple different cogs inside of that wheel that nobody does see going into making it what it is at the moment so yeah it's, it's a balancing act I think and 
especially with, from my perspective, because I work across the group, I work across all the brands, and so does my team, you do get that where you kind of have to say, okay, you know what, we need to shift that focus and we've kind of got that. But I think it's all about planning. Say, for example, with a Deco, we've already know what we're doing for the next six months. It's already in play, it's already built and it will roll. That then gives you the freedom to be able to start working on other things. And I think it's all about that planning, focus and keeping it simple. That is it. If you just do those three things, it shouldn't be an issue. You've led this campaign sort of with brand humour and kind mm. of bringing a sense of taking the piss out of recruiting a little bit and really enjoying some of the, the good and bad points of finding some humour and relaxing the industry slightly rather than taking ourselves too seriously. There has been a lot of conversation about the importance of personal brand over the main brand now and mm. actually individuals are louder than necessarily the brands they work for now. It's actually kind of flipped on its head. Why did you choose to lead with the brand instead of an individual? I think because I'm probably still a little bit old school in the sense that no one individual is bigger than the brand and I think if you you know Apple's a great example of that you know Steve Jobs obviously passed away a few years ago I, I haven't seen Apple fall apart and I think if you can kind of look at it like that then you put yourself in better stead I also think as well is is that from the brand perspective it's about you can make a brand have a personality and I think that when I look at someone like take for example someone like Nike when you see an advert from them you don't think of them as a trainer company it just gives you a, so, a totally different feel something outside of the product itself it gives you a feeling of something of achievement it gives you something that you can do it and it gives you that empowerment that's not an individual that's a brand and for me if you can get it right there's no need to run with individuals I think the individuals have a massive part to play especially at the top of organizations you know and I do think that people like Richard Branson is the face of Virgin and you know, Steve Jobs was the face of Apple and Jeff Bezos is the face of Amazon. But I think that even they would say that it's not actually just about that one individual, it's actually about the brand and the brand is more important than they are. And, and I think that's the thing is, is that we led with the brand for a deco because a deco is the brand, it is the personality. It's, and then all the individuals that work for it combine into that ultimate personality. And it really, for us, the campaign really fitted with the personality of the people that we hire. And that comes into your employer brand and culture and there's certain people you hire and so we kind of knew that by using a brand we had a louder voice than one individual so that campaign that you've just started is all about building brand awareness for a deco and that is mm. solely at this point the main focus why did you choose brand awareness as the focus when roi can be tough to track or uh, over anything like bringing in new technology or generating leads that you can't you know you you can put a tangible number to what was the reason for choosing brand awareness over other avenues the good thing is is because this is a digital campaign you can pretty accurately work out the ROI um, we have got a lot of systems built into the back of it we know where everyone's going everything's tagged up and I think also as well you can see a direct correlation between an in increase in applications and increase in contact off the back of this. I think that's where the kind of the science of 100% accuracy will be never be 100%. But if I said to you, we looked at it year on year and said, okay, in year on year, we were getting X, Y, and Z. And then this year we're getting, you know, triple, double. The spike isn't a coincidence. Yeah, it's it's part of it. But we really focused in on the using data and tagging and making sure that every single kind of touch point was collected. Again, for us to learn from it, you know, everything down to the UX of the landing page has been intricately put together, based and tested over and over again from a UI and from a UX perspective. We really didn't want to leave no stone unturned when we went into this. So there is technology in it and it is trackable. Can you say that all marketing is 100% trackable? Absolutely not. 
but I can say with confidence that this is definitely up into the 80s and 90s. I think it gets more complex when you start to go outdoor and once you've got multiple brand touch points as well. So say for example, if we sponsored a football team, we were doing an outdoor campaign, we were then pushing money into PPC, we were then doing this, we were doing that. You know, once you're doing all million and one things, that's when it becomes a little bit more difficult. But for this, because it is just a digital campaign, it was a little bit easier for us to keep a control on it uh, from a data perspective and collecting that data being able to report back to the business on it because that's ultimately the uh, the measure of success is, is the return on investment of it but brand awareness for me should always be on it's not something that should ever be turned off and I think I saw an advert from Facebook and I saw an advert from Google the last couple of weeks I don't think you know you could question do they need to continue to market but they do because they know that if you stop marketing you stop brand awareness somebody else then increases brand awareness but this isn't a new age thing this is this goes back way to the 1900s of companies and case studies of where corporations have gone into recession say for example and stopped marketing and then other competitors will continue to market market and then they bought that company out so i think for brand awareness is just a consistent on for us and it's something that we really strive to but you know, we've, we've got to kind of see how this goes for making that next second, third, fourth step. So my last question for mm. you is that as an industry, I think all marketers, we need to improve together. Yes, we're ultimately competitors, but if the industry is going to get better, we need to do that at a faster pace. What do you think is going to be the future for recruitment marketers? As in from an individual's perspective or from an industry perspective? From an mar individual marketer's perspective, what do you think we need to know or we need to be doing more of? I think that the industry, the more it brings in people from outside, the more it brings in people with experience in FMCG and technology, the faster it will grow and the faster it will move forward. I think because we have this thing where you couldn't just decide one day that you want to do marketing and walk into Google. It doesn't work like that. I think that the better people we bring in from outside the industry that then can upskill those inside the industry that want to get into marketing, that is where it will start to really move and change. But I think the marketing and recruitment is still very, very young in the sense that if you compare where we're at from a marketing perspective to the technology space, we're three to four years behind. And we need to look from outside and bring outside in in order to move ourselves a lot quicker forward. But I think that eventually, marketing's, I've said this to you before, you know, it's a billion one-to-one -one relationship. That's the goal. It's where everything that you are marketed to is completely and utterly at the right time. It's something that you did, it's already predicted that you wanted it. And I think the technology industry is pretty much there now. And it's funny because people always say, oh, what do you see, there's a future of recruitment marketing as an industry. And I always think, well, you can see it. It's already in the tech and the FMCG industry um, where people have talked about journeys and building journeys and customer journeys and automation. Now they've already done all of that. Now what they're doing is they're taking the data from the three to four years they've been doing it and they're now predicting what people want and they're doing it to such a meticulous way that it is, you know, people like Amazon crying. They know what I want before I want it. I don't see that as scary. I see that as it's just really great that from a customer service perspective, it is all about customer service and if somebody can give you a solution to your problem instantly before before you've even had to look for one. That's not something to be scared about, that's something to embrace. Thank you for joining us. No worries.